Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we start a new study looking at Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians. Now, before we dig into the text itself, I would say it's a great chance to ask your kids, what do you know about this letter? Do you know anything about it? Even the fact that I mentioned Paul wrote it would be an example of something that they might be able to say, depending on how old they are. With a city name like this, maybe even just to practice with little kids, helping them say it. So Thessalonica was the city. Thessalonians were the names of what you call the people who lived there. Like, today I live in America, called an American, or I live in Missouri. I think we're called Missourians in that way. Um, Those are not our chief identity, but that's why the letter gets named what it's named. Primarily, we are Christians. We are children of God and heaven is our home, our citizenship is with him. But those are the kinds of details that could be good to know. If your kids are a little older, or if they've studied the scripture some before, they might know something more, Um, and you can build upon that. The goal would be, as you work through the letter, your kids are learning more about God's word for them. So, what do you know about this letter? You might even share with them. So, some background for you. Thessalonica is one of the Christian churches that Paul plants in Macedonia. So as you're looking at, for example, if you pull up a map of the Mediterranean Sea and you're looking at that, Jerusalem's going to be on the eastern side of it. And as you go on to the northern side of it, so you got to go up through Syria and then you can come around the, the northeast corner of the Mediterranean Sea you're into what we call today Turkey. Uh, they called Asia or Asia Minor, but it was subdivided. So that first section on the top right, uh, just off the sea, is called Cilicia. As you keep going to the west, you end up in Pamphylia, and then Lycia, uh, and then Mysia, as that's the one that's going to be right up against the, the Aegean Sea. Then as you move north from Messiah, which is going to be the home of places like Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, the seven letters to the seven churches from the book of Revelation are all in that place. As you go north, though, you're going to get to Thrace, which is on the northeast part of the Aegean Sea. And then as you move through Thrace to the west, you come to Macedonia, which is going to be, again, home to Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and some other cities as well. This is part of Paul's second missionary journey, which is roughly 49, 50, 51 AD. Paul's going to plant this church. You can read about it in Acts chapter 17. And persecution hits pretty quick with the Jews being upset with Paul for his teachings about Jesus, about God. And so they they try to chase him from the city. And they even learn later that he goes from there, he goes to Berea. And so when they learn of that, they come to Berea to cause trouble there as well. So, as Paul mentions in this letter, well, which verse was that? Down in verse 6 of this first chapter, that they received the word in much affliction. There's a, a definite connection in what he's talking about. So, the city, Thessalonica, pretty much right on that northwestern corner of the Aegean Sea is where you would find it. By air, if you could fly from Jerusalem to it, it would be about a thousand miles away. That's how far the gospel has traveled in these first 20 or so years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And that's only in that direction. I mean, the gospel has been going in other directions as well, which is fantastic, wonderful good news. So your themes in Thessalonica, of 1 Thessalonians here, there's going to be a recap of their conversion and Paul's work among them. We're going to learn about the word being persecuted, the faithful being persecuted. There is a, a separation uh, between Paul and the Thessalonians that that persecution creates. So his writing to them is a way to reconnect, reestablish that relationship again. And then uh, the last couple of chapters, he will give them exhortations on marriage, brotherly love, the end times, and how to live together as life as a congregation. So those are the kinds of things that we'll see as we move through it. Let's go ahead and start um, into the text. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. And just reading through that, you can pick up on just how positive this is, right? This is a letter that is beginning with great joy and great thanksgiving. And it's a spiritual father, right? Paul is a spiritual father to these. These are his children. He is thankful that they are in the Lord. And this is good. So this is a very upbeat beginning to this letter. Um, You'll recognize, probably, you might recognize all the names in the intro. So these are who are writing. We don't often credit this letter to all of them. We usually just credit it to Paul. But Paul himself notes that it is also Silvanus and Timothy. Silvanus, by the way, is another name for Silas. In fact, seems to just be a shorthand of Silas, like you might shorten your own name, uh, even Timothy, to Tim or something like that. Silas seems to be in that manner. So Silas, or Silvanus, is originally from the church in Jerusalem, in terms of his Christian faith at least, and he accompanies Paul. As Paul and Barnabas went on the first journey together, Paul and Barnabas have a falling out over whether or not they should be taking Mark with them on the second journey. And so they get in such a quarrel over this that they don't go together on the journey at all. Barnabas will take Mark and go, and Paul ends up getting Silas from Jerusalem to accompany him on his second journey. And so that's that part. Timothy is uh, from the city of Lystra 
and Paul on his first journey had gone to Lystra and planted a Christian church there. On his second journey as he revisited Lystra is when he seems to have picked up Timothy. Timothy joins him on the journey. Eventually, Paul will have Timothy go off to, I believe it's Ephesus, to be the pastor of the church there. So these are men that he he gets used to traveling with very much, so they help him in his missionary work. Now, still in verse 1, he identifies who he's writing to, to the Thessalonians. We've talked much about them already, and we'll talk more. Uh, In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So these aren't just any Thessalonians. These are specifically the ones who trust in God, who trust in Jesus as their Savior. To them, he then wishes, as his opening blessing, grace to you and peace. This isn't his most common epistle beginning, but it's one that he uses and words that he uses almost always, grace and peace. Grace of God being his gifts that he gives, forgiveness, life, salvation, so forth, peace being the, the peace that Christ gives to us as he reconciles us to the Father, putting an end to our war and rebellion through sin by his death on the cross. So that's just the opening verse here. Then we get into the, the start of this, which is a thanksgiving. We give thanks to God always for all of you. So they are Paul, Silvanus, Timothy, they're thankful for this church. They're thankful that these men, women, and children are Christians. They're thankful that on the last day, they will get to see them again in paradise, if they haven't seen them before that. We know as Christians today that these are our brothers and sisters in Christ, just as Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy are our brothers in Christ, and indeed we on the last day will get to see them in paradise. These are very good things. This is going to be something Paul will reflect later in the letter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And we can see him doing those very things here, thanking God, praying, and so forth. So he's thankful for these people. They pray for them on a regular basis. They remember them before God. Why? on account of the work of faith. Notice work of faith, not a phrase that we normally use, uh, and the labor of love, the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So it is it is recognizing, as the, the next couple verses will as well, that the faith of the Thessalonian Christians is not just an empty thing. It's not just a, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Um, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's not that. It's beyond that. It is, yes, they are Christian. Yes, they believe in Jesus. But that love of Christ flows from them to others. And you can see it as you watch this church live out their life together. You can see it as you see them serve their neighbor. They actually, their faith is evident in their lives. That's the kind of thing here. And Paul is giving thanks very specifically for it, for their faith, for their labors of love, as they serve others, and for their steadfast hope that they know, and again, we're going to talk about affliction here in just a moment, that they know that Christ is for them, that they know that nothing can overcome them, because Christ is king, and and he has already saved them from sin, death, and the devil. For we know, verse 4, that God has chosen you. This is an important reminder of the New Testament that we don't choose to be Christian. 
we cannot save ourselves. Uh, the sinner's prayer that is common in certain denominations, it's really empty. We are dead in our trespasses. Ephesians chapter 2, it is God who saves us. And this is what God has said here. He has chosen these, his people. And Paul says, we know this, verse 5, because our gospel came not only in word, but also in power, Holy Spirit, full conviction. That's, again, the idea that their faith is evident in their lives. As the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles, they started preaching. As the Holy Spirit came upon uh, other Christians, as we see in the book of Acts, they would also start speaking in tongues or, or so forth. And so the idea that the Spirit comes upon you changes you. You are no longer the same. You have been made a new creation. The, the full conviction that these are not just people who are, again, lukewarm. They don't just sort of, kind of believe. They're all in. I've heard this said before, and he's not, he's not a teacher I, I would recommend to people at this point or at any point yet. I hope he becomes a stronger teacher, but Francis Chan is one whose name makes the rounds sometimes. And on one of his missionary trips where he went over, I believe it was Asia, when he came back and he was reporting on it, he, he talked about how he asked them where the lukewarm Christians were. And their response to him was, why would you be? Like, to be a Christian in this place could cost you your life. Why would you be a Christian if you weren't all in. Full conviction. They're going to be persecuted for this faith. You're either in or you're out. That's a, a weakness that American Christianity has, has not really had to grapple with. It seems like it might be coming. Heavy persecution of the church seems to be coming. I can't say for certain, but the culture changes at a very rapid pace today thanks to technology like the internet. And I mean, it can do good things as you're listening to God's word and a Bible study right now, but it's not all good. We can abuse any tool and technology just seems to make, make change happen in the world faster. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So a uh, reference to the humble way that they served and lived, as Paul often did in the various places that he would go, and he did it for their sake. He wasn't boastful so that they would think it's about man's greatness, but he did everything to point them to Jesus. You became imitators of us and the Lord. So they followed Paul's example, Silvanus's example, Timothy's example, but all of them are following Jesus' example. So if you follow them, you're following what Christ has given you to do. So they become those same kind of humble servants. They receive the word with joy in the Holy Spirit, a joy that no one can steal, not even that affliction. Again, Acts 17, Paul, uh, we see Jason, as mentioned by name, is afflicted in this, uh, and yet they remain faithful and joyful. They have a hope that is certain, that is fixed, that is in Christ alone, even if they should strike them down. Christ will raise them up again. This is good news. This is the Christian's hope. And so they then, verses 7 and really 7 through 9, are getting into this idea that they, they're they an example to the 
rest of the area around them. So the rest of Macedonia, which include the churches in Philippi and Berea, and also in Achaia, or Achaia, um, which is to the south of Macedonia. Corinth is a big city in that region. So these other churches are recognizing the faith of these Thessalonians, and they're sharing reports. You can imagine, right, having to give a a report at a meeting that you've gone to about how progress is going. Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy don't have to tell the rest of the church how Thessalonica's faith is doing because the rest of the church already knows. The rest of the church has already seen it. They've borne witness to it. They have either gone to Thessalonica or messengers have come from there. Um, as people travel, uh, going on journeys, they talk about the hospitality, or they talk about the love, or they talk about the service, the humility, the faith, or even the idea that Thessalonica has begun sending out missionaries of their own to, to new places to share this good news. So this news is getting out. Paul doesn't have to, to give a report. It's already there. And what's the report? Um, their faithfulness, how they've turned from idols to serve the living and true God. So that's a contrast to the idols that are just statues, right? Uh, a statue can't do anything. It's just stone or it's just wood. They now serve God and they serve their neighbor. They wait for his son to come from heaven, which is the promise of the second coming. That's a major theme in the letter. We'll pick up primarily chapter four, whom he raised from the dead. God raised Jesus. Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come good news. This is what their faith, this is what their hope is in. So the other question to talk about with your kids today, do other people speak of you like this? Do other people uh, report about your faith? Now, the humility that we are called to as Christians, we shouldn't want other people to be bragging about our faith. Like, I, I shouldn't want the, the people of my church. I shouldn't want the people in my community to talk about how great I am. That's not the goal whatsoever. Um, however, we should still live in such a way. We should live with such a, a humility. We should live with such a servant's heart. We should live such generosity and so forth that people have good things to say about us. Again, we, we're not making them say them. We're not even aiming that they would say them. But we're living in, in service of the gospel. We're living in service of Jesus Christ in hopes that everything that we do point to Jesus. And so as somebody would think of you, you want them to think of your faith in Christ. Like these, right? As the, the people of Corinth or the people of Philippi think of the Thessalonians, they think, oh, those are some, those are strong Christians. They really trust in Jesus. They're great servants. We're thankful that they are children of God. That, that's a nice way to think about one another. And that's how our text today concludes.